Hello, Monetization Nation. I recently interviewed John Pistana, and he told me an amazing story of how a game of paper, scissors, rock helped grow his business, which sold to Adobe for more than $1.8 billion. John was in a class with me during my junior year in college. Since then, John has been a phenomenally successful entrepreneur. He was a co-founder of MyComputer.com, which he sold as his first exit. Then he co-founded Omniture, an enterprise analytics company, which he sold to Adobe for $1.8 billion. He is currently the CEO of ObservePoint, a data analytics company. And right after this intro, John is going to tell you his story. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. I'm joined here today with John Pistana. Uh, I met John 23 years ago-ish. John at the time had just started, I believe, a company called MyComputer.com. Am I remembering that right? Well, at that time, it was probably JP Interactive. Okay. And then JP Interactive became MyComputer.com? That, that's correct. We originally were just a web development company and that then we became you know more of a online uh, enterprise tool resource yeah and then if I remember right you guys sold mycomputer.com and had your first good exit and then we're able to reinvest those funds into building uh, Omniture um, which you grew to be an enormous company with 1200 employees and sold yeah. to Adobe for 1.2 billion dollars something like that uh, I think it was 1.8. 1.8 billion, even better. You had a fabulous exit from that back in 2009. You've won a lot of awards over the years. Um, you received the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award, and you received BYU Center for Entrepreneurship's Entrepreneur of the Decade Award. And you have started a new company called ObservePoint, where you do data quality assurance. You want to tell yeah. us a little bit more about ObservePoint? Yeah, you know, ObservePoint kind of stemmed from some of the problems that I had at Omniture. You know, Omniture, we were website analytics, so we were collecting visitor data uh, on websites for people, you know, large, large companies. And um, after I, we had sold that to Adobe, I kind of still wanted to be involved and, and help people. Um, and our biggest problem was actually having companies be able to maintain their implementations because a website really is kind of a living, breathing organism, you know, where it's always being updated, always changing. And um, these little tags that get put on a website, whether it's for behavioral targeting, website analytics, um, ads, um, there's all kinds of reasons that you would put little pieces of JavaScript on a website. We're hard for people to keep track of and maintain. So we developed a, a system that helps you know what's going on. Um, so you can see, okay, all these pages do have the web analytics tag on them. Oh yeah, all the pages do have our privacy policy. All the pages are following, you know, certain corporate guidelines that that we want to have, and and that's kind of the what stemmed into uh, ObservePoint. Well, you've certainly been phenomenally successful over the years. You've you are an enormously credible person to me because of the success you've had. I heard a story about you guys, and I don't know if it's true. But it was it was about I believe I believe you were the one that did this or one of the people that did this. 
um, about a paper, scissors, rock competition at a conference many years ago. Were you part of that? Yeah. Um, so we used to play rock, paper, scissors. Uh, and I think Josh is actually the one who originally came up with the idea. Okay. And um, this was really fun because, you know, when you'd go to these big conferences and we sponsored the lunch and what normally happens when you sponsor a big lunch at, a, at least an enterprise software conference is you get like a couple of minutes to stand up at the front, tell people about your product, and then you sit down. Well, every time we would go, we noticed that nobody would pay attention. Like, like everybody just keeps eating and doesn't even pay attention to the guy who's standing up in front giving a spiel about his product, right? So Josh James and then a guy named Elliot Jacobson and myself came up with this idea that we are going to play rock, paper, scissors. Cause we used to actually just do it in our own company for fun. Rochambeau, you know, uh, and, and so we came up with this idea that we were going to get everybody to play rock, paper, scissors. And instead of, uh, when they would kind of hit their hands, you know, they don't go one, two, three, or anything. They would go omniture and put, you know, put out their scissors, rock, or paper. And so we go to this conference, and we, I, I get up at the podium, and I say, okay, everybody, we're going to play rock, paper, scissors for a Hummer. So we were playing for a car. For renting and a car, for leasing a car for a year, if I remember right. I think it was a two-year lease or something on a car. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a pretty big prize and there was a couple thousand people in this lunch and everybody stood up everybody um then was screaming oh sure you know and i mean it was amazing and i'm like and then once so here was the here was the amazing thing in order to play you basically had to have your business card okay and um if if you beat somebody you had to take their business card and add it to your pile so at the end, when we got down to the zoo files, they had like stacks this big of business cards of everybody that we could contact and, and let, let them learn more about our product. So, so it was this huge lead gen thing. Uh, you know, the, the winner ended up winning and everybody went nuts. And it's funny. So later on, one of my competitors who was there at the show, he ended up working for me. And he told me, he's like, John, that was one of the lowest moments in my life. I'm sitting at lunch with one of my customers. And, and oh, and when we started, I said, okay, everybody stand up. But if you're a vendor, sit down. So all the, all like my competitors and other vendors were sitting down. Only customers were standing up. A couple thousand people. And he was sitting there and he told me, he's like, yeah, I'm watching my customer. And he's just going, omniture, like screaming your name for like, 10 minutes. He's like, it was like, I was pulling daggers out of my heart, you know, type of a thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, that went on legendary for a long, long time in our industry, because it just wasn't the boring lunch where nobody paid attention. It was, you know, this really cool thing that happened. One of the secrets, one of the chapters in the book that, that we've been working on is called the wow factor. And yeah. one of the ways to gain credibility is to create a wow moment, not just to do the everyday ho-hum, what everybody else is doing, but to create something that, that becomes lore and, and that everybody- and it, It's hard, you know? I mean, since then, you know, we came up with quite a few other good things, but we did a couple that really fell like a lead balloon, you know? Yeah. 
So it doesn't always work, but you got to just keep hustling and trying, right? Having that grit and just keep moving. Yeah. I think that really separates most people. Like the people who really become successful have agility and grit. They just keep going no matter what. You know, you fall flat on your face, just pick yourself up and keep moving. So you have a lot of experience with analytics and data. And yeah. one of the secrets in the book, one of the chapters that we're talking about is statistics and the credibility that can come from statistics. And there's lots of different ways you, you use survey statistics or, or you use statistics from your customers. You, you listen to them through surveys and, and build your products around what people want. Um, talk to me a little bit about how a company can improve their credibility through credible statistics. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. And it can, you can really improve your company credibility through stats in a lot of ways and not just with your customers, but also even with your employees. Um, let me give an example. So just recently, obviously with COVID and everything going on, I've, I've definitely been very cautious with my employees and been trying to understand where everybody's at. So over the last couple of months, I've sent out two surveys to my, my employees, just asking them, how are you feeling? Are you comfortable? how would you feel about coming back to the office? You know, what things do we need to do uh, in order to make that happen? And, and what was interesting about it is, to me, it just gave me great useful data. Like, I'm not afraid of data. I actually want to know if something's bad. There's so many people who don't wanna know the bad things. Like, it, that's such a bad way to do business. I want to know the bad things because the only way I can fix the bad things is if I know about them. So I got all this great information. And then I presented it to the company and we talked about a plan and we came up with a plan that was really, you know, comfortable for everybody. Like when it came to the COVID situation and the, when you're surveying people too, one thing I didn't understand, it actually even improved my credibility. So every six months, I actually do a one-on-one -on -one interview with every single employee, even down to interns. It takes me about three full days of nonstop interviews because we're only about 100 people. And um, I spent 15 minutes with each person. And this, I actually just did uh, a round last Thursday with, with employees, and I have more employees on this Thursday. And uh, it was impressive. I had a cut, um, probably three or four, just this last Thursday, that said they really appreciated how much I care about what they think. You know, that I take time to survey them and even ask them, like, do they feel comfortable coming back to the office? I asked them, like, would you like to work from home? How many days a week would you like to work from home? I mean, just all kinds of questions so we can have good information and good data. So because you and, listen to them, you automatically receive the credibility of caring about them. Well, and they've also been shocked, even just the fact that, I mean, I've only been uh, CEO now for seven months, right? In the first, within three days of me being CEO, I did one-on-one -on -one interviews with every single employee to understand where the company was at and the sentiments overall for the company. And then I just am now doing my second round right now. And, they, and many of them couldn't even believe that a CEO would take time to meet with somebody who was four levels below them, right? Especially like even the interns. Like there's like, I'm a part-time intern, you know? I'm like, well, I have, I have things I can learn from everybody. I need to learn from you. You're you know, you're on the front lines in my business. If, if there's anybody I should be talking to, honestly, it's some of my, uh, you know, frontline employees, those customer service reps, the, the sales engineers, those guys who are intimately talking with customers. 
So, and, and, and it's those actions, right? It's those actions and experiences that, that make, give you the credibility because I could come in and I could just tell them, tell them that I'm great, but they'll very quickly, my actions will, will, will speak much louder than the words that I, that I gave them. A couple of, of really good points there. One point is knowing your industry well enough that you're a credible industry expert because you, you have so much experience there. And the other point is knowing your customer well enough that you know what's really going to help them or not. You know which features of your technology they really should implement and they're going to be relevant and you know which elements are not going to work for them because it's just not going to move the needle. Well, if you think about it, like a lot of people when they try and sell somebody something, they just start spewing out all the features of something to somebody, right? And that's not how a good salesperson really interacts with, at least in the enterprise software world where you're trying to solve very complicated problems. You should never start off that way. The first thing I ever say to somebody is, tell me about you. Tell me about your problems. What are you running into? And then I can tell them how I can help them. And there might be some stuff to say, hey, you know, you mentioned X, Y, Z. I know nothing about that. You should, you know, but I do have a friend maybe you should talk to who could help you with that. But then it, it allows you to then know how you can make them happy, right? Because uh, if I'm not an expert in, in something that they're needing, that's fine. They can go find another expert. But the things that I am an expert in, I want to help them and I want to, uh, you know, make them happy. And, and what's funny, when you do that, business just starts pouring in like more business than you can ever have and what's also this is the temptation for a lot of of product companies too is when you do have great credibility with your customers and they keep coming to you and they're just shouting from the rooftops about you they're so frustrated in other parts of their lives that they're going to start asking you to do a lot of things that you might not want to do because they're just trying to find you know that credible person who will solve their problems so they'll come to you and say, man, you did an incredible job in web analytics. Can you solve my ad targeting system? And then it's really tempting to say, oh yeah, I can do that. But you have to say, well, is that even a business I want to be in? You know, what's my next thing that I want to do? Um, because you don't want to then destroy your, your credibility and your other thing that you actually are good at because you perform poorly. And I've seen that happen uh, even in my current company that I just have taken over. There's a few things in our product that just haven't functioned really well. And it's funny because there's other parts of our product where people love it and it does really great. But because this other part of our product was launched very quickly in an initiative to just try and make a customer happy, it ended up just harming the relationship with a couple customers because it just didn't fulfill the need the resources hadn't been put on it. So, you know, that's, that's one of those things now I'm trying to fix, but it's, it can, it can definitely cause harm uh, because you were so credible that they came to you and they wanted you to solve these other problems for them. You were too quick to say yes, instead of really thinking through the ramifications if you don't pull it off. Yeah, you made some fabulous points there. One of the points you made was talking about listening. And you talk about how one of the very first things you do in a relationship is you ask them what their needs are. And then you position your product to solve their needs. So instead of selling a product, you're trying to solve their problems. And, That's right. and by listening first, you are able to be more credible because you're really giving them what they need. What maybe one of the most important things that, um, that I like 
is, and I don't know if you've ever read the book, um, Change the Culture, Change the Game by Tom Smith. I haven't. And it's a really great business book, uh, probably my very favorite. He also wrote one called The Oz Principle, if you've read that one. Okay. And he, it's, he's not the only author. There was a, a couple partners that wrote that book with him. But in Change the Culture, Change the Game, they talk about the results pyramid and that you need to be creating experiences that then change beliefs, that then create actions that then change results. Like whenever you want anything to happen, that's, that's what needs to happen because so often in business and in marketing, people jump straight to actions and nobody believes you because you don't have the credibility yet, right? So you've come up with all these things. Everybody rolls their eyes at you because they're like, what? You're not, you're not that person. But they want these actions to just instantly create results. But, but when we're trying to, let's say, like right now, even I've come in as CEO of this company and I'm trying to really change the hustle and the paradigm here and having people be very customer obsessed, having them creating alignment, you know, just everything about what I'm trying to change here. Well, I can't just come into this company and I can't just say, look, here's your list of things you need to do and that's going to make these results happen. I have actually had this, I've started creating beliefs. I've started changing the entire paradigm here where I'm, I'm creating experiences that tell them that we hustle. I'm creating experiences that tell them we're obsessed with customers. I'm creating experiences that, that shows them that we are, that alignment is important to us. You know, and, and all these beliefs that I'm trying to instill into them by creating experiences that then changes their beliefs to then have them want to create the actions that make it happen. And it's been a phenomenal change here in this company, even in the last six months. It's almost and, like ascending spiral. Have you seen, you know, the descending spiral and the ascending spiral? It's you create these experiences that they trust yeah. you. And then you're able to act more credibly and they'll believe you to, to perform at a higher level the next time. So, so when I came into the company, the, the company was only uh, retaining customers at a, at a fairly poor level uh, in the high 70s. And, and it was interesting because we did have a lot of customers that were very happy, but the product was a little difficult. So a lot of the customers just wouldn't even get through that process to dig deep enough to get happy. Um, and I asked, so after a few months of being here, like, well, actually within the first month, I told everybody, our goal is 95% retention. And everybody kind of rolled their eyes at me, right? Because they didn't believe it. That's, that's that action, jumping right to the action. I just stated, this is the result that we're going to get to. And I knew now I had a lot of work to do to help them understand. So the last company meeting I just had, where we were reviewing a whole bunch of things, and I said to everybody, I said, how many of you believed me? when I said we would retain customers at 95% and only two people, two of my employees raised their hands, even with all my credibility that I already had, right? And then I said, okay, now six months has gone by. How many of you now believe we will retain customers at 95% and every single person raised their hand? So what was the difference? Why did that change? I created experiences that gave me the credibility that they knew we were going to do it. Can you give me a specific example of one of those experiences you created? Sure. So for example, it was notorious in the company before that you would have a meeting and we would talk about something that needed to be done. 
they then said, hey guys, when, when can we meet to get to talk about this more and really hammer out, let's say it's a product feature or whatever was going on. And they, they'd all look at their calendars and they'd be like, okay, well, uh, looks like two weeks from Monday, we can get together and talk about that product feature. And ever since I've been CEO, if we have a meeting like that, I just look at everybody and say, hey, is everybody's calendar is free tonight at five. We're gonna have an emergency meeting at five o'clock to make sure we hammer out that feature so that it's, it can be launched within one week. You know, and, and so I'm just creating those experiences where like, yeah, we hustle now, we get it done, we care. And now in, in another good example is we would talk about being, caring about customers before. And everybody would say it, but then I'd ask, like when I first came on board, I'd say to like my head of engineering, I'd say, when's the last time you talked to a customer? And he couldn't even tell me. And now every time I meet with them, I say, hey, tell me about, you know, customers you've met with. Who have you talked with recently? Right? Because now they know that that's important, right? Because accountability is not a bad thing. Accountability is a really great thing. But where the definition of accountability can kind of be seen as a bad thing, right? Like where you're, where you're holding people responsible. Like, no, we want to hold ourselves responsible. We want to be able to trust everybody who's in our organization that I can count on them, right? That in, in some ways, credibility is that too, that you just know you can count on somebody, that the job's going to get done. And, and a lot of these mindsets do come from uh, those books, like The Oz Principle and Change the Culture, Change the Game. Again, some two of my very favorite business books of all time. Uh, and, and, and they were impactful to me too, in a lot of ways, because um, when I read them, it was like, wow, this is how I've always felt and how I've always run my businesses, but they put it into words, right? And, and those words are impactful in then communicating to your other people. Like, I'm excited to read your book, you know, because what's great about a book is it puts thoughts into words and then helps people that sometimes don't get it on their own. Because a lot of us do just figure it out, right? Through over time, we figure out that this works, but it just gives a head, a, a jumpstart to people to be able to uh, read somebody else's ideas and learn from them. Because that's a very powerful tool that a lot of people struggle with, right? Most, so many people want to only learn through their own, own mistakes. And that's a painful road, right? My first six years of business, I learned way too much through my own mistakes. I should have, you know, been learning more through, uh, through reading a lot of good books. Uh, there's been a huge tectonic shift where in the past businesses told their customers how amazing they were and that worked. Mm -hmm. And this new trend that's, that's happened over the last several years is, People don't trust the businesses. The businesses are no longer credible. If, if you make a video and it's too perfect, if, it's, uh, if the actors are oh, too yeah. beautiful and they have perfect lighting and perfect sound, it, it doesn't go viral because people assume that it's made by the corporation and it's, it's not real and authentic. And there's this YouTube effect where people are trying to make their videos less perfect. Um, and they're trying to communicate in a way that, that is, it's like the power of imperfection that gives them credibility in their messaging. And Toyota can't tell people they have the best SUVs anymore, right? They have to get real SUV owners to tell people they have the best SUVs. It's a communication. Well, it's interesting. I, I'd even say that a lot of people are weaponizing even social media uh, for the opposite now, right? Where they're even, who even knows what is real on a lot of posts, you know, whether somebody maybe has a political message that they disagree with, you know? So, I mean, we've seen that right now, like if somebody had said they voted or supported Trump, 
And then people are going on social media and actually even just making stuff up to get people to stop to do business with them. You know, where then if you follow, let's say a comment from somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, this person has zero posts, zero followers. Is this even a real person who left that comment? For, for good and for bad. For good and for bad, yeah. But I'm right there. I Normally what I do, like when I'm reading reviews, I don't know if you do this, I go to all the three-star reviews because three-star reviews are the non-emotional people. Yeah, They're not so gloriously happy that they just gave somebody five stars because they asked for it, right? We've all been to like the car dealership where you buy a car and then they pester you for the next two weeks to go and leave them a five-star review, right? And you're like, you don't deserve it, but they're like making it sound like you're, they're going to lose their entire livelihood if you don't give them a five-star review. That maybe the three-star review is the most credible because they'll tell you what they really think. Yeah, what they liked and what they didn't like. The other thing I like to look at um, is the ratio between five-star and one-star. So I look at, if I'm on Amazon, I look at how many five-star reviews does somebody have to how many one-star reviews they have. And that ratio, I think, is very telling, too. Because there are certain products, like if you buy a, a, let's say, a printer or something like that, well, if it, if, it, if it got shipped to you and it just does not work, one star, right? But then the person who gave the five-star review, you're like, okay, they, they obviously got the printer and it just worked great right out of the box, didn't have any problems. And so I find for like electronics and stuff, I like to look at the ratio to one to five star because that then tells me um, like the likelihood of it not working when it gets yeah. to me, you know, that there's this ratio of not working. And then I like, I like reading the, you know, those three, two to four star type reviews to actually understand product functionality type reviews. I've been I, buying on the internet for way too long. Yeah. I hadn't thought through that at all of how different types of products would make you look at reviews differently. Talk to me about associations and trade shows. Any, any secrets of how to help your company gain, gain credibility by leveraging associations and trade shows other than, than giving away a Hummer at lunch? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I think one, you just need to understand your customer base. And is it a customer base that cares about those things, right? So like here at ObservePoint, you know, data quality and things like that is important. So like I'm on the board of the Digital Analytics Association of America. And, you know, that definitely... One, it's a way for me to give back because I've been in the industry for a long time so I can help, you know, share some of that knowledge with, with other people in the industry. But then it also gives credibility to observe point when they can say that I'm on the board, you know, of a national organization. Um, and then trade shows, you know, you got to be analyzing your cost per leads and everything on that. I mean, we keep track of every single lead and how it flows through our channel. And we do multi-touch attribution on it all and we can know whether or not they make sense, you know. Um, and we have some trade shows that work really well and we have others, you know, that we don't do anymore because they just don't convert. That's right. Okay, so any other advice that you have in this world of Zoom of how we can gain more credibility as, as we're not forced to, but we're, that, that's yeah, not well, reality. One, one, I think it's make, if you're in this current world with Zoom and everything like this, you need to make specific, thoughtful motions. So like we have gone through a list and I've, every employee here at ObservePoint knows that their 
Slack picture, their Zoom picture, everything needs to look professional. I think one of the most important things when you talk about kind of trust and credibility is don't be afraid to extend it. I think that if you come into every single interaction with people that they have to earn your trust, you are never gonna gain trust of anybody because everybody feels that. I go into every single relationship with I give my full heart and emotion into every single relationship right up front. And I take the risks that I might be hurt. And by that, I always have found that people extend it much faster to me too, because I put full trust in them. They then put full trust in me. And then I need to do everything I can to make sure I don't break that with people that I just treat them like they're my best friend. I'm sure I've made you feel like you're a good friend, you know, um, and it's because you are, you know, we might not see each other more than every couple of years. But to me, if somebody asked me, is Nathan a good friend of yours? I would say, absolutely. Nathan's a good friend of mine. And, and I think by extending trust, you get, you know, you just get instant trust back, which then gives people credibility. Like, cause I think trust and credibility work very similar. Cause you're wanting that credibility, which is really saying you want somebody to trust you that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And and I think you'll just be surprised at how much, how many more doors open to you by putting yourself out there and just working hard for people and giving to people too. Like I'll do favors for people, even when they don't ask me, you know, just because I want to make people happy and help them. And by opening up more that way, you'll see it come back to you tenfold too. Thank you, John, for sharing those stories and secrets with us today. Here are some of the top monetization secrets that stood out to me from today's episode. Number one, we should try to create wow engagement moments with potential customers to be unforgettable and maybe even legendary like Omniture did with their Paper Scissors Rock competition. Number two, we should embrace data, whether it's good or bad, and make data-driven decisions. Number three, we're all going to stumble and fall. We will be defined by the moments we've picked ourselves up and kept going. Number four, we should obsess about customer happiness and the power of no to set great expectations. Number five, we must extend trust first if we want to gain credibility. If we desire monetization we have never before achieved, we must leverage strategies we have never before implemented. I challenge each of us to pick one thing that has resonated with us from today's episode and schedule a time this week to implement it to help achieve our monetization goals. When have you observed businesses create wow moments of engagement for their potential customers? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.